Good morning. Today's reading is Ephesians 1, verses 8 through 10, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Thank you. Good morning. It's uh, good to see you all here this morning and to be here together. Um, my name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson. If you're new or you've never heard me preach before um, or you just came last week for the first time and I wasn't here, um, just a heads up, I have a speech impediment, so I want to make sure that you all know what that is and um, you're not trying to figure it out as we go along. And, um, you know, on that note, it was just, it's, it's so good to um, know, uh, and I don't say this at all in terms of like, a, you know, woe is me or anything like that. Um, but it, it just, in all honesty, I, I love that um, this church is so not dependent on me. me. Amen. Um, like last week, it was, um, it was so evident, you know, like I, and it actually kind of decided last minute to be at something that my wife and I were able to participate in together. And, um, and just to know, like God's really at work in our church. And, um, I'm actually probably the last person that really a lot of things come down to and that really need to be here. So on that note, I was just thinking, you know, Stephen did a great job last week. He, um, preached and then Ian led worship and and um and it is it's just good though to 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 know that and um we're going to get into it here pretty quickly as we continue in our series in Ephesians so go ahead and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1 and um in your bibles if you have one or in an app or uh, however it is you get to God's word if you don't own a bible would you hold your hand up high and keep it up and somebody will get you one okay we want to make sure everyone has a copy of God's word they can read and follow along with and understand and if you don't own a bible um you do now okay this is our gift to you and I'll make note in case you want to hold your hand up I don't know if you've heard but we've got um larger print bibles now okay so I know that there was some there was some uh there was some complaining going on. Um, no, it's just our way, though, to love uh, multi-generational, right? I couldn't see it, and so I know there were some of you older than me who couldn't uh, for sure. So um, get one of those, um, and they've already handed them out, but I'll just say it anyway. En español, también si quieres la Biblia y no tienes, por favor, levanta su mano y diga español. Y si no tienes una Biblia, eso es un regalo a usted. Y esta mañana estamos en um, so again, want to make sure everyone has a Bible we can read along and follow along with. And I'm going to go ahead and pray. And I just want to take a moment even to share. I, don't, I didn't really necessarily plan on doing this, but something right before this um, reminded me of just some, how some people can come to, to church, um, can come to, you know, kind of corporate worship times. In fact, I was with a bunch of people, as I said, um, all last week doing something. We spent multiple days together and how um, I realized how much I can take our community here for granted and just um, not at all to kind of talk trash about anyone else or any other, you know, churches or anything like that, but just how um, 
so many places where, you know, we say here we take God seriously and not ourselves, and we have nothing to prove and nobody to impress, and I just, I, I just want to say, like, publicly, kind of use whatever platform God has given me to encourage us to, to come as we are, right? Not that we, we hang on to our stuff, our, our brokenness and our mess, and that we just wallow in that, but that in, this, in the sense, too, that we have nothing to prove, we don't have to put on any kind of a m- mask, and we come and understand that we're informed and transformed uh, by the renewing of our minds as we come under God's word together. Um, amen? And I say that because even some of you might have even seen me in the bathroom there, one of my kids, I will not say who, um, right, like Voldemort shall not be named, um, was, uh, had an accident. And I was like five minutes before coming in here, I'm in there like washing pants and doing stuff like that. And I'm just, again, thankful that our community is one where we come together before God um, with nothing to pretend about. All right, so with that, let's pray and get into our time together to be shaped by his word. Yeah, again, Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. We can be here together for the time that we can be shaped as a community. I, I pray and I trust that in this moment, that, that, that uh, Lord, that as we hear your word, we will um, not leave unchanged. Well, we know that the grass withers and the flower fades, and but the word of our God endures forever. So Lord, we pray that your good news, your truth would, would shape us, would inform us. Lord, would humble and convict us where need be and would empower and embolden us where need be. And we pray all these things expectantly in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, let's read together um, just to pick off because uh, we're in verses 8 through 10, right? We just, if you, again, if you're new or you're not sure, we're walking through Ephesians um, for the, about 10 months and we're taking our time going through it. And um, since we began with the word which, I just want to take a step back and start in verse 7 to give us some context here as we read together. So I'm going to read verses 7 through 10 as we get into it together. In him, that's Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So as I read that right now, we see, if you, if you pay attention there, if you're looking, there are some incredibly rich, individual, important theological truths that you could just, it's almost like overwhelming, right? You read and it's just this kind of after, one after another and we could, you know, pause and we should, right? Press in and that's why we're going through Ephesians at the pace that we are is so we have time to really dive into some of these incredibly rich and important and shaping individual truths and yet, there's also a bigger picture. There's something fuller going on here that, that we, we have to get in the habit of kind of looking at the big picture as we press in and look at smaller, finer points and then, again, step back, zoom out, right? We've used all kinds of different imagery. Um, I was actually thinking about this this week as I was in my backyard, and um, I love my yard. I love my front yard, love my, my, my backyard. Some of you may have been, been there before and you might be like, it's just a yard, it's not that great. You know, it's true. It's, I mean, there are other yards that are 
better, absolutely. But um, as we moved into our home, which is hopefully like our plan right now, uh, is that this will be our, our like, you know, f- forever home, right? Like we, we want to be there. We want our grandkids, Lord willing, one day to come and spend time with us in our backyard and at our home. And um, I just, I love it. It's one of the reasons, again, why we bought the house. Um, Dee, who actually read this scripture here, helped us find the house and buy it. She kind of walked us through that whole process. And I remember even that, that day and we we're sitting there and we're in the backyard and in a certain corner and you could see the mountains and we live right in kind of the right in midtown if you will right by Bobo's right Tucson landmark historic landmark if any of you know Bobo's incredibly good greasy spoon restaurant well um and 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 I remember that moment you could kind of see the mountains and just could kind of picture the backyard now on another hand though some of you know me a little bit I have some obsessive tendencies. Um, I'm not going to be one of these people self-diagnosed OCD or whatever, but um, maybe I'm also in denial because I can get really caught up in individual, like specific things. I can just get caught up. Like I could start to clean a smudge on my wall and then all of a sudden I notice that our entire house from about this level down is just smudges right? You guys who have young kids know that, and I can just get caught up, and next thing you know, my wife comes in, and I'm like, got a toothbrush, and I'm just like locked in. I'm going to be here for a week, and, and, and I just get obsessed, and even with my backyard, I can do that. I can focus on the weeds that need to be pulled, or this or that, and I can go like extreme, and just get, you know, woe is me. This is, oh, our, our yard has so much work to do, and I can miss the big picture. I can miss what's going on and just get so focused on the little things that it's no longer serving the purpose that it originally had, and thankfully, there are moments already in the short time that we've been there that I, I like, after my step, not to get too into this, I was, but I found out my stepdad passed away online, which is kind of a weird way to find out your stepdad passes away and on social media. And it was kind of weird. We had a weird relationship and, but still I needed a moment. So I went out into my backyard and and in that moment, I didn't, I didn't focus on the weeds. I didn't focus on the scooter that I tripped over, right? Walking out there or whatever. I just went out to that same corner and kind of sat there and just spent some time in prayer, just enjoying, you know, the, the nice weather, and it was serving its right purpose. Now, if I don't occasionally get into the nitty-gritty, then it won't have that effect anymore, right? Then I'll be like, you know, parting the weeds and to look at the mountains, but, but, but it, there's still a bigger picture there. And that really, as I've read and kind of prepared more and more for this in our time in Ephesians in general, and even we're going to get into the weeds, if you will, again next week. I just want to remind us, even this week as we're in this, that, that, that it's been referred to as a chorus of praise. That, though Ephesians is absolutely full of deep theology, which are not just weeds that we need to tolerate and get rid of. It's, it's important stuff, really important stuff. The, the big picture is also something that we would, we would rejoice, that as Paul, the author of this, wrote this, there, it was meant to incite rejoice, rejoicing worship among God's people. And so let us keep that in mind, and even that's something that we get to do this week as we press into it, is to have our hearts stirred and have our eyes lifted to the good news of God revealed in and through the person and work of Jesus. That how this book was written, or how this section was written, right, verses 3 through 14, right, as we're in a, in a, a section of that right now, it was actually written 
It's in the, in the Greek, it's 202 words, Greek words, with no punctuation, just a straight up, like, you know, eruption of praise. It's just written like boom, 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 and all these things meant to incite rejoicing in God and understanding the good news. So this is how we're gonna walk through this, these three verses together, is that we will rejoice in the gospel, and you see we'll have it broken down this way. We'll rejoice in the lavished, mysterious, and uniting good news of Jesus. Okay, and how we see it broken down is there's the lavished gospel, the, 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 the mysterious gospel, and the uniting gospel, all meant to stir us up in rejoicing in the person and work of Jesus. Okay, so that's where we're going today. Let's pick up in verse 8 as we look at the lavished gospel. Verse 8, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. So again, let me read verse seven so we see that, okay? Because we began again with the word which. In him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Okay, so the good news, the redemption, the forgiveness of sins, which Stephen really walked through and did a great job preaching through last week, and then we see that that is meant to not just stay over there, that's last week, and we talked about redemption, and now we get in here and it's something else. No, that, that the redemption we have through Jesus leads us to this understanding of the, of the lavished good news of Jesus poured out on us. He's lavished upon us. He's given it to us in his kindness. And, and that we need to understand as we read that for a moment that, that, again, other themes we've read before and themes we'll read next week, right? Predestination, being chosen, being separated and broken in our sinfulness. These things are connected to this idea of the lavished generosity of God. Okay, so that we understand that, that, that in and of ourselves, because of sin, by nature and by choice, that God owes us nothing, right? That's something that's hard for us in our kind of entitled culture today that we tend to think and look at God through our lenses of like, kind of like spoiled children sometimes. And so we miss that though we deserve, though we're told, right, that, that all we like sheep have gone astray, like we have rebelled. There's language used of treason, of, 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 um, of again, of, of, of sin, of, of being enemies toward God. And yet, through the redemption we have in Christ, he lavishes generously his good news out upon us. Okay, so let us sit for a moment in the sovereignty of God, right? As we even read here in verse 8, that, that he has in all wisdom and insight. Just let that sink in for a moment. I remember for me, my freshman year at the U of A, being at a U of A fo football game, I remember it. Um, we, were, we were playing Iowa. It was like the best season in U of A history so far. Um, and uh, it was this great year, and we were playing Iowa, and we had an incredible defensive stand, and I was kind of right there. And I just remember for a moment, it was my, you know, I'm there, I'm a student. I couldn't believe I actually got into college, so it was a miracle. I was having a worship moment, and, um, and, and, I'm, and, I, and I'm looking around, 
and just how many people there were. And then as I considered my own story and just kind of God kind of opened my eyes for a moment to the bigness of what's, and how many people were there back when a lot of people went to U of A football games. And, um, and it, was, it was just overwhelming though, honestly, to think of all the different stories and backgrounds and people that were there and that led us to this moment together. And, and so as we read this right now, and we, we, is, this is a moment to kind of settle into the sovereignty of God, that in all his wisdom, in all his profound knowledge, before time even began, he is working his plan together, and he does that, as we see here, to lavishly pour out his grace upon his children, upon those he would call to faith in himself, and and it's meant to be like awe-inspiring. It's meant to leave us rejoicing the the lavished gospel that then in verse 9 now we pick up in it's the mysterious gospel this lavished he's lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ the mystery, okay, there's this, this understanding here that, that, that this word mystery, right, again, should be connected to this understanding of God's sovereignty, all right? That, that again, um, John Calvin referred to the gospel and, and the working of God, the sovereignty of God as a, as a beautiful mystery, Again, right, we tend to roll up our sleeves and get caught up in all these things, and yet it's meant to leave us in this place saying, God, you in all your wisdom and all your understanding have, have decided to, to, to enter into our mess, to our brokenness, to reveal yourself to us. And it should leave us, again, rejoicing, humbled. And, and this word mystery used here is like a synonym for the gospel, Okay, so, so again, and l- lest we think that we kind of find ourselves in a place where we've got it all figured out. Oh yeah, I've got it all nailed. I get it. I, it all makes sense to me in my mind and I do this and I do this and I do this. They, all throughout, the author Paul here, in everything that he wrote, there's a sense of humility, of awe. J- Charles Spurgeon, the famous preacher, the prince of preachers is referred has often talked about when he would when he would ascend the steps and they had a lectern like us um no they had somewhere they would kind of walk up and he would be there in this little area and and as he would ascend he would be overwhelmed with the understanding that that this is foolishness that he would be preaching and that somehow God would use it to transform people's hearts and minds and lives and so he would ascend the steps and would call out and, and, and entrust himself to the Holy Spirit and would say, um, if, if you don't work through me, this is futile, this is foolish. So there's a mystery there, a beautiful mystery that again, God has chosen to reveal himself to us. This is just, if you're taking notes or if you wanna see that, you can even read in Ephesians chapter six, verse 19, and then also in Colossians chapter 4, verse 3, where this idea, it says, we are making known the mystery of God, and it's connected there. The same thing of saying we're sharing the gospel is we are sharing the mystery of God. Okay, so there's a, a, it's used synonymously there, and this is to understand, wow, God, you have, you, you blow our minds in that you have, have given us this gospel, which that word means good news, and it's mysterious. And that's meant to, again, lead us to, 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 to praise-filled rejoicing. The lavished 
gospel, the mysterious gospel, and then it's the uniting gospel. Picking up again with me here in verse 10. As a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So again, understanding here that God has, has lavished his grace upon us, his undeserved favor, okay, that's what grace means. God has lavished that upon us. And it's a mystery. He's revealing himself. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, it's a crazy maker. It's like, and, and then you understand that it's a part of something so much bigger. That this is God's plan from the very beginning to unite all things in heaven and things on earth. In him. That's in Christ. This, um, let me share a, a quote with us. I've actually read a number of different commentaries and there's one that's less of like a theolo- theological commentary and more of a, it's more of like a book that's written by a, um, a woman, Gloria Furman. And um, this is what she said. The overarching message of Ephesians, the fountain from which every doctrinal truth emerges is Ephesians 1, 9 through 10. This idea, and, and I've shared this before, right, that if, like way back when we began this, if you remember that each chapter, right, has kind of a theme verse, right? That this one, this is it for chapter one, right? Verse 110, remember 110, 210, 310, right? Remember, and then what comes next? 415, that's good, thank you. Um, Yeah, 415 and then 514 and then 610. Okay, so, and that's like, you can see, well, this, as we just read here, this is not just for chapter one. This is all of Paul's theology, and specifically Ephesians 1.10 is, as she said there, the fountain from which every doctrinal truth emerges. Okay, so again, when we get in the weeds, right, when we go out on a Saturday and spend all day pulling weeds, right, when we get into the nitty-gritty, when we dive into the theology, when we get into these things, it, it's, 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 it's connected to the bigger truth that God is uniting all things in heaven and on earth. Remember, in heaven, in the, in the spiritual realm where, where the angels and the demons reside. And, and again, if we get all caught up there, just understand that throughout the, the course of human history and specifically in the non-Western world, they didn't like get all caught up on this spiritual stuff like we tend to today. And we're, we'll get there in like eight months, okay? We'll dive in and really into that, but I'll just assume that this is true and that whether we acknowledge it or not, it's something that we understand deeply impacts our lives. And so all things, things seen and things unseen, are united in Christ. So what does that mean, right? I I think we tend to latch on these things and hear what we want to hear and not hear what the scriptures are actually saying. Okay, so united in Christ does not mean you know, kumbaya does not mean we all just circle around the campfire and hold hands and, you know, and, and kind of sway. And this is it. Oh, we're all, it doesn't, which is connected to our idea of, I'm, I know this is not popular to call out, but this isn't the, you know, coexist bumper sticker. It's like, oh, it's all the same. Every road leads to heaven. It's all the same God, just as long as you do what you want to do. We're not going to recognize that the people that actually are invested in each one, like just so you know, Muslims, imams don't want uh, Islam to be confused with Christianity, (laughs) 
Okay, it's very arrogant of kind of us in the West here to think, oh, it's all the same. Like, people don't want to, like, the leaders, the people who faithfully commit to all those different things that would be represented on that sticker, no one would say, oh, yeah, it's all the same. Oh, Jesus is God, we would say, right? He rose from the dead. Easter, we celebrate it every Sunday and every year. Everything in all of life is shaped and determined by the fact that Jesus rose from the dead and is God, the one through whom and for whom all things are made. Those other religions on that same bumper sticker would, would say, absolutely not. That is heresy. That is blasphemy. I, you cannot believe that and, and be a part of our religion. So it's, I'm kind of on a sidetrack here, but I just want to make sure we also focus on the unpopular stuff, okay? As I care for us to come around the stuff that, that we get the amens and it's exciting that we understand. Now, that doesn't mean that we're cruel and mean. It means we engage people of different faiths in conversation and could be clear, I got kind of carried away, different faiths, not face, okay, people of different faiths, and we have conversation, and, um, and, and we do, and, and it's important, right, and it's um, one, one, one word or phrase that we've used is convicted civility, that we graciously, generously move toward others and seek conversation, and, and, and yet we understand that we have very um, differing perspectives, so all things united in Christ is not, in fact, it's the opposite of kind of coexist. It's all the same. What this means is all things find their right place under the rule and authority of Jesus. Okay, so all things united in Christ means all spirits in the spiritual realm and the unseen, demons, angels, all things that are not seen, all things that are seen, everything that has been made, every, everything that exists is, is rightly put under the authority of Jesus and where sin, not God, where we've all turned our backs on God and we've gotten into this mess with each other and there's brokenness in our relationships and in our world around us and that when Jesus returns, that, that, that he will restore all things to their right order, where they ought to be under his rule and reign. So all those who are considered his enemies, all those who have, have turned their backs and have said no thanks and have continued to live a treasonous life separated from him will be judged so that every sin and injustice in the world, in our city, in homes, in relationships, which we care deeply about, will ultimately, finally be united, be made right under the rule and authority of Jesus. And all those who have faithfully put their trust in Christ will, will understand and will, have, will, have, uh, will be rightly restored in every way, in all of life, as Jesus unites all things under his rule and authority. Okay, so let us, as we, as we read through this gospel, okay, again, that word means good news. Th this good news of Jesus that's, that's meant to, again, be inciting, rejoicing here is that we understand that there is, is absolutely an individual component and a cosmic 
truth, a cosmic reality. Okay, so as we read back in verse seven, there are some very individual, um, very important individual truths and realities there, right? They are meant to shape us, to, to, that we come uh, uh, individually, we are justified, we put our faith um, in God through Jesus and all that he has done and we're restored relationally. And yet as you read through Ephesians, you also cannot miss the fact that it's not just about individual and all these things, that it's directly connected to, to, to who we are as a community, that, that, that who we are is we are restored to God individually, restored relationally to God, and then directly connected to that is, is, our, is our restoration, is being, is being united as his people, that he's forming a people, that in Christ there is now neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. That doesn't mean we're all like genderless, you know, or raceless, you know, people. It means that there's now no pecking order, okay? That when we said, oh God, we'll, we'll take it from here, right? When sin entered in, to the world, we're the ones who came up with, oh, you're this status, okay, you stay there, we'll be here, and we're climbing and trampling over one another, trying to, trying to get ourselves uh, up, right? Trying to, get, trying to look out for number one, that no, under Christ, we understand that he is a, a number one, and that he has used that status and authority to lay his life down, so that all who put their faith in him, all who are found in him, remember that's a, com- that's a massive theme in this whole section, to be in Christ. That all who are in Christ are now together, as, as we, we looked at it a couple weeks ago in verse, in verse five, that, that, that he, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. Remember that, that word sons means as, as, the, as the oldest son, the, the heir that would get all the inheritance to distribute, that now we all have that same standing through Christ uniting all things to himself, things in heaven and things on earth. So we'll, what does that mean for us today? Okay, one thing it means, which again, this is, uh, we gotta understand that kind of the, the polluted waters that we swim in is we live our lives so separated from the bigger picture of what Christ has come to do and what he's doing, right? That just, that God, God created us to know and love him, to have all of life, our identity and our purpose lived out of relationship with him. And that doesn't, that's not an ethereal, like kind of angelic, just like floating around world. No, that he really physically created us and gave a real physical place for us to live and thrive that, that is, is right in the garden. And then when we sinned, it's not just a spiritual, emotional kind of thing. It meant that we now turn from him and every facet of our lives is broken and decayed. And, and, that, and that then when he came, he didn't just do it from afar in a spiritual, ethereal realm, Okay, I'm helping us to see because we're so caught up in, oh yeah, there's, you know, heaven one day, and then, oh, I pray this prayer in kind of a spiritual, emotional moment, and then it's pretty disconnected from real everyday life, and then one day I'll kind of beam me up Scotty into some ethereal, spiritual realm that's heaven, and that's what Christianity is all about. And that's how we tend to function and operate, but no, that's not biblical, that's not the gospel, 
Okay, the good news is that God doesn't just wave a wand from afar in a spiritual realm. No, he comes in. He breaks in. He's physically born. God, the one through whom and for whom all things are made, entered into our mess, Jesus. And then he physically lived the life that we were created to live, honoring God in all that he would do, loving God and loving his neighbor, ultimately portrayed in laying his life down on a real physical cross, a Roman cross, a Roman torture device. Okay, physically laying his life down and then raising physically raising from the dead. And then even this part is the crazy maker, and we saw it in Acts when we were there in Acts chapter one. He physically ascended to the right hand of God the Father. And then as his followers, his disciples are all standing around like, what just happened? Like they're like us, continuing to connect these dots between the, the, the spiritual and the physical, right? The sacred and the secular and they see Jesus ascending, and then they're told, no, he's now ruling, and he will return again physically one day to establish, to unite all things once and for all in him, to establish the heavens and the earth where all things will be made new. We see a picture of this in Revelation chapter 21. I was just in a conversation with one of my kids the other day, and it's, and it's fun to, 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 to try to wrap our minds around this stuff together. All right, this can be a parental discipleship moment when you're like yeah what you know because they're like oh what's heaven going to be like oh is it gonna do and then to 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 say like yeah let's read this together there's there it says there are streets of gold and we live in tucson it's pretty far from that right like we live in streets of potholes right now and one day there will be streets of gold and 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 these jewels and these and just and it's and wrap our minds around the physical new kingdom that Jesus is calling us into and that this gospel, this rejoicing, rejoice, worship, inciting gospel that we read is that he is uniting all things and so it informs our lives. And again, I wanna recognize right here that we're all in very different places. That when we read about the lavished gospel of Jesus, the riches of his grace in this room and in our city, there is Poverty of every kind represented. There's relational poverty. There's physical poverty. There's financial poverty. That for some of us, this reality that Jesus is currently ruling right now is hard for some of us because we, we, we can rightly ask, God, if you're ruling and you're all-powerful, then why is this going on? Why is this my current reality? And, and I can just honestly say right now I don't know I ask a lot of those same questions in my own life why are things still not the way they're supposed to be and as we press in and we're honest we look at the cross and we acknowledge that God has has not given us simplistic answers and he has not chosen simplistic solutions to our very complicated problems and yet as we read this, we understand that, that he is a generous God. And so right now in this moment, when we are asking God, has your goodness run out? Did, I find, did my life finally write a check that you can't cash? We, we see, yes, mysteriously, that no, he is a generous God who has lavished his grace out upon us. And though we might not fully understand it now, we can still find hope in understanding that he's not done. 
and that he's, that he's in it, he's present with us, that he knows what he's doing. His lavished gospel, and, and, and that can lead to us being confused, and yet we even see in that very next place there that, that confusion is not something that we have to wallow in. Okay, and I understand that for many of us, right, we want, all, we want to know how it all works, right? We want all the answers to all our questions, to all our problems. We want it all to make sense right now. And again, I just challenge us to read through the Bible. And you see, God usually doesn't give that to his people. In his love, in his generosity, in his wisdom, in his fatherly care and protection, he simply calls us to understand that, that, that he, has, he has chosen to make himself known to us, this mystery according to his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. Again, we just go back a couple of verses, which was set bef- before th- in the beginning of time. And, and so when we find ourselves confused and, 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 and is that we need to understand we can't, and hear me right now, we can't and we don't have to get it all figured out. That we can come here on a Sunday like this and worship alongside others as a community of God, as his people, and we can say, God, you, you have lavished your generous grace upon us and there is a mystery to you and we don't know, but we, simp- we surrender and we worship because you know what you're doing. You're all wise, you're all knowing. And then ultimately he is uniting all things together. That, 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 that this informs our lives today, that again, we can read the future and we can understand God somehow right now in my life in this time, I can rejoice, whether it's easy to do that or whether it's really, really difficult to do that. Because we know that ultimately you are uniting all things. You are putting all things back to their rightful place. And so again, this tone, let me remind us ultimately here, and I'm going to read this whole section for us as we close so that we can be reminded that this is meant to incite rejoice, rejoicing worship, that we read these things. And so let us again, that image of just kind of sit in the backyard together, kind of lift our eyes up and, and see the bigger picture that all these things are meant to inform how we live right now. Okay, not just, oh, one day, beam me up, Scotty, one day out there, but no, the the good news of our lives today is that wherever we find ourselves, we can rejoice as God's people, right? We don't wallow in whatever we're in, though it's very real, okay? Though, Though we don't ignore our problems, though, again, this isn't a church where we show up and we put on a mask and we pretend like it's all easy. We pretend like accidents don't happen, right? We pretend like, like arguments don't happen in the car before we get out and enter the parking lot and walk in here and all these things, amen? Am I alone in this stuff? And yet we don't pretend that's not there and yet we come here together week in and week out. We take communion together. We, we, we walk through this process together to be shaped as God's people, to be sent out from here as God's people with our eyes lifted up to be able to rejoice in the good news of Jesus. In the lavished, mysterious, uniting gospel of Jesus. So let me read through, and you can read along with me if you like, and I'm going to read the way this was written, no punctuation, just, a, just an explosion of joy that Paul wrote from verses 3 through 14, and then I'm going to pray, and we will get into our time of rejoicing in Christ together. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Let us rejoice. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have chosen to reveal your mysterious grace, your gospel, your good news to us. Lord, I pray that we will have our eyes lifted up to you, that we will simultaneously recognize the brokenness in our world, the weeds, the pain, the questions that we can't find answers to, and yet at the same time, God, that our eyes will be lifted up, that we will be able to, to respond in, 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 in rejoice-filled worship, that there is good news in you, that you have lavished, you have poured out your grace upon us, that while there is a mystery to you, you have chosen to reveal yourself to us, and Lord, that you are ultimately uniting all things in and through the person and work of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.